What's your story? This is Success Stories with Kendra Hall, where inspirational people come to tell their story so that you can write your own. Here's Kendra. Today's episode is one of those where it is just you and me. I figured with a summer already upon us, one of the things I love to do is read books. Now, I'll admit, I start every summer with huge ambitions to read stacks of books. Doesn't usually happen for me, but I thought in case you had a similar goal this summer to read a little bit more, I would share with you a few of my personal favorites. Now, of course, I love reading fiction, but because this is an audience of success achievers, I thought I would tap into the personal development books. And as I was looking through my shelves and all of the books that I've read over the the years, and more importantly, those that I have or want to go back to, a few categories. Well, really just two categories stood out. Those books that were focused on very practical business and personal development advice and those books that were more in the magical realm, if you would, tap into the great powers of the universe. And for me, having both types of those books at my fingertips has been essential to my success. Because I think if you only exist in the metaphysical space, while yes, you will be open and and available for all of the great things the universe could bring to you, you might kind of float around a little too much. On the flip side, to only focus on the practicality, the steps forward you can take, you might miss out on some of the magic that is so critical to success, those things that you can't quite explain. So discipline, magic, I think we need both of them. And here are my favorite four books, two for each. Several years before the runaway bestseller, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is another one of my favorite books. It's been out for a while. And honestly, all of the books I'm going to share with you today have been out for some time. But before Atomic Habits, which I loved, there was one of my all-time favorite books, the book by Charles Duhigg, who... I can just say, endorsed my book, Stories That Stick. And I have to tell you, here's a little side note. One of the most stressful things about writing a book is reaching out to people you admire, other authors or thought leaders, and asking them, being brave enough and bold enough to ask them to take a look at your book and perhaps offer a few sentences of endorsement. So when I sent that email to my all-time favorite author at the time um, and then got a message back, I really did fall out of my chair. Uh, I wouldn't say I fell out. I kind of flung myself out of my chair onto the floor in shock and amazement and excitement. That's a little side story. But Charles Duhigg wrote one of my favorite books, The Power of 
habit, why we do what we do in life and in business. Now, I remember reading this book many years ago. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I had big dreams of, of starting a business, but my life felt very chaotic with two kids under two, managing napping and, and feeding schedules, changing unlimited. I mean, it just seemed like endless amounts of diapers. And you would think at that time that reading a tactical book about business strategies and even more specifically the way that our habits are formed and and the ways that we can break them would be the last thing on my list. But I have to tell you, even though it is a nonfiction business book, I couldn't put this book down, which is why I think it is a perfect summer read if you're looking for something other than a novel. Duhigg's storytelling abilities, I mean, he's an award-winning journalist, a brilliant man, and you know, I know stories. I was riveted. So if you're looking for that kind of book that draws you in and doesn't let you go and you feel smarter after reading it, The Power of Habit is definitely one you should look into. Now, I'm not going to give you the full book report, but here's what I really took away from the book. Oh, there were so many stories that were so fascinating, but, but here's what I wanted to share with you here today is his breakdown of how habits happen, why they stay with it, with us, and perhaps most importantly, how we can change them. Now, like in his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear really says that our life is built on a series of very small habits. The things we do day in, day out, Duhigg was saying the same thing. And and Duhigg really mentioned, um, and I don't have the exact quote or terminology, but he talked about this habit loop that consists of three separate parts and explains how our habits work and how to change them. So the three parts are this. First, there is the cue, then there is the routine, and then there is the reward. And then it just starts all over again. So one of the examples he gives in the book is of a woman who bites her nails. Now we all have those habits, right? Those bad habits we want to get rid of, but they just happen. So automatically, it's hard to even know where to start. Well, according to Duhigg, and as he explains in The Power of Habit, a great place to start is with the cue. What is that sensation the woman had that that triggered her, that, that made her want to then bite her nails, which was the routine? And it turns out there was this a uh, physical sensation in the tips of her fingers that kind of itched or tingled. And it was that cue. Now, I believe it was probably derived from, you know, maybe a stressful thought. Maybe, I mean, there's a lot we can look into, but that cue, that tingling in her fingertips was a cue that then led to the routine, which was biting her fingernails. And then the reward at the end of it was that the tingling sensation went away. Well, this continued. The cue, tingling in her fingertips, the routine, biting her nails, the reward. Ah, the tingling has gone away. Well, how do you stop that? Well, one of the first places you can look is, again, at that cue. 
the cue is always going to be there. The question is, what do you do after? Can you change the routine? So instead of biting her nails when she felt that cue, the woman stuck her hands in her pocket or... Another option could be putting a rubber band on your wrist and snapping it. Something to give you that physical sensation um, that stops the other physical sensation of the tingling in your fingertips. And the reward is still the same. The sensation goes away. He did this, used another example with this loop, which I thought was fascinating. Let's say you have um, goals of weight loss. All right. You want to get to a a healthier weight, but you know, one of your problems is your afternoon habit of going to the cafeteria. And when you go to the cafeteria at your office, assuming at some point you do go back to the office, you end up getting a sugary snack. Maybe it's a, a, it's a cola or a bag of chips, something, because of course you're in a cafeteria, you're supposed to eat. And the reward for going to the cafeteria is seeing other colleagues chatting. Well, all right, that's that's great. But eating in the cafeteria is leading to some other serious problems. So so he breaks this down into the loop. The cue, which we haven't discussed yet, is sitting at your desk middle of the afternoon and getting kind of antsy. You're feeling bored. You 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 need some stimulation, some interaction. And so what do you do? Your routine is to go to the cafeteria. Why? Because you know that's where your colleagues are. You're going to see them. You're going to chat with them. But it just so happens that while you're there, you engage in another unhealthy habit, which is grabbing junk food. Of course, then you get the reward, which is social time stimulation so that you can break the boredom you had while sitting at your desk and go back to your desk feeling refreshed. So, How can we change this in terms of cue, routine, reward? Well, instead of going to the cafeteria, if what it is that you really want is interaction with your colleagues, maybe stop by a colleague's office, have a daily 3 p.m. chit chat where you can sit down without the sugary snacks or, or salty chips and just have a great conversation. You'll still get the reward, social stimulation, uh, you know, the things we get with, get from being with other people, which I think, you know, over the course of the past 18 months, we've realized how important that really is without the consequence of the other routine being in the cafeteria. The way he breaks down such simple things that we can do to change these habits that have can have the ability to wreak havoc on our lives was fascinating to me. Fascinating and also captivating because of his writing ability. So if you haven't already read the book, Power of Habit, again, it's been out for several years, go check it out. You can get it in hardcover. It is also available in paperback. The other favorite book that focuses more on the tactical things you can do in personal development is called Do Less by Kate Northrup. Now, the subtitle says that it's a book for busy moms. And I would, this is my only complaint about the book, actually. I don't think this book is for busy moms. This book is definitely for women, period. Now, 
I know I'm excluding a big part of our audience, men, I also encourage you to read this book so you can get some insight into what it is to be a woman who's either an entrepreneur or in the workplace. In this book, she discusses a topic that I even questioned mentioning here, but it really was so life-changing for me. Kate Northrup discusses the cyclical nature of women, how we do operate on a 28-day cycle that is made up of four different Phases and each one of those phases naturally, as our bodies are made, call for different types of activities. And essentially, in the book Do Less, Northrop is saying if we can be aware as women of these four phases in our cycles, we can better position ourselves to, instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, lean in to these various phases and make work a lot easier and ultimately end up doing less. It's a lot like other uh, productivity books that you've you've read. There are different strategies for for doing more work in less time, working smarter instead of harder, which is extremely valuable. But but what I find about this book so fascinating and so different than anything I had ever considered before was the reality of these phases of our cycle and and how there are two phases that really are designed for inner work. Women, have you ever felt maybe it's a it's a couple days, maybe it lasts a, a, a week, uh, depending on your age and your own personal cycle, where you just don't want to be out and social and in the limelight. You feel much more primed and prepped to be turned inwards and and getting work done versus out in the open pitching new ideas. Well, you know what? You're not crazy. That is actually related to the phases in our cycle. And subsequently, there are times within the month where we, our bodies are naturally more magnetic, where there are times to be out and, and pitching ideas and, and developing new ideas and, and in that space of creation. And what I loved about this book is I have certainly felt this in my own life, but, but I, like you, am an achiever. And so on those days where I just don't really feel like creating, but I feel like I'm supposed to, I forge ahead and I'm a little bit worse it. If I'm writing, I usually have to go back and and rewrite. If I'm if I'm trying to, um, you know, create networking opportunities, I they usually aren't as strong or natural. They feel more forced. And so the realization that that this isn't me being crazy, like I don't have to be on and out every single day. It's okay to be have some phases in my in my work life that are more introspective it was a very liberating 
feeling. And not only that, it gave me a huge advantage because now I know what work I should be doing at what times. Now, of course, we don't always get to dictate when things are happening, but in those times where you do have some control over over creative time or networking time or planning time, it is really good to be aware of your own natural biorhythms and and to work with them instead of against them. A completely, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have gone back and revisited um, what is written in this book. If you haven't read this book, women, please go get it. It is called Do Less and it is available wherever books are sold. I believe it's also in paperback, so hardcover or paperback. Check it out. So those are the two books that give really practical advice on how to break habits or form new ones in The Power of Habit or in Do Less, how to lean into your body's natural tendencies, pair those with some very specific strategies on time management and productivity in the book, Do Less. Now what I'd like to do is share with you two of my other favorite books, again, both of which have been out for a while, but that lean more into the magic of it all. I believe that so much of my success has happened not only because I've gone for it or the work and effort that I've put in, but also in those moments where I've leaned back and stayed open and meditated or prayed or simply asked the higher power for a little bit of guidance. And in those moments, big things really happen. So the first of my two favorite books, and and of course I have many favorite books, but I figure four is good enough for you right now. But the first of mine, which I would highly recommend to anyone who is a, a creative or whose work or success requires big thinking, the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. The subtitle, Creative Living Beyond Fear. This is a book for people with ideas. I have to say, I was just thinking about this book last night because I don't know about you. I I have ideas. I, I get... I kind of feel like there has been one big idea in my life. It was an idea that found me when I was 11, uh, when I told my first story and, and was really patient with me throughout my entire, my entire decades of living. It kind of followed me around and nudged me in different directions uh, to keep me on track to, to, it kept reminding me that storytelling really was my thing. It's the thing that I'm meant to bring into the world. My husband, on the other hand, is a jack of all trades. I mean, there really is nothing Michael can't do. And it's so fascinating to spend an evening with him because last night we were out at dinner and the number of ideas he came up with 
just at dinner. Now, I can't even remember them now that I'm thinking about it, but each one of them was excellent. They were niche. They were, they were possibilities of, of entire businesses, entire companies he could form. It's like he is this magnet for little ideas. Now, he doesn't take each one and follow them all the way through. Instead, he kind of tosses them out, says them outward, and, and hopefully, it's my hope that someone else like hears it, picks it up, and runs with it. That is really what this book is about, and so much more. One of my favorite passages in this book that is what I want to read to you here is all about this idea of ideas. And it's in the chapter called How Ideas Work. Elizabeth Gilbert says, I believe that our planet is inhabited not only by animals and plants and bacteria and viruses, but also by ideas. Ideas are a disembodied, energetic life form. They are completely separate from us, but capable of interacting with us, albeit strangely. Ideas have no material body, but they do have consciousness, and they most certainly have will. Ideas are driven by a single impulse to be made manifest. And the only way an idea can be made manifest in our world is through collaboration with a human partner. It is only through a human's effort that an idea can be escorted out of the ether and into the realm of the actual. Now, there is so much more to this book, but that is a statement I have never forgotten. And I think it is so valuable for you. If you are a person who has had an idea, and it's one of those ideas that keeps, I don't want to say haunting you because that comes with a negative connotation, but hanging around you, right? It pops up over here. Someone else starts talking about something similar to it or connected to it or adjacent to it over here. You have a dream about it. You, you watch a show and, and it's mentioned. And, and maybe this doesn't all happen in a single day, or maybe these, you know, the idea doesn't pop up every day, but as you go about your life, you feel the presence of this idea. What I want to say to you is you should read this book because if you are someone who has had an idea, but you are afraid about what to do with it, know that if this idea has been hanging around you, it really is for you. That idea has chosen you to be its manifestation partner. And if it's lingered for a really long time, that is one of those ideas who, who knows what it's want, who knows what it wants and is going for it. Now, the flip side of this, Gilbert also discusses it is sometimes ideas, you know, ideas, I think the way she describes it. And I told you, this is more metaphysical. The way she describes it is ideas all have kind of their own personality, right? Like my idea about storytelling and how I could turn that into 
um, a career in a very practical way, but be a vessel for delivering that message in a more metaphysical way, if you will. I had a very persistent, persistent idea. That idea chose me and wasn't going to let me go. But there are other ideas that get impatient. They'll hang around you for a while, but then if they don't, if you're not willing to join them in the process of manifestation, they'll hop on to someone else. She actually describes this story of having this idea for a novel. And it was a very specific novel based on very specific research and happenings. I believe it was out in the Amazon rainforest. She had developed it. She had been working with it. Uh, but then it just never really went anywhere. She, she abandoned the idea. Now, I'm telling you this from memory. It shows how stories have a way of sticking with you. And then she was at an event and she hugged this person. That was when hugging was allowed as they exchanged um, spots on stage. So I believe it was like Elizabeth Gilbert had finished speaking. This next author expert was coming up. They hugged. Um, and a few months later, it turns out that other author started writing almost the identical book that Elizabeth Gilbert had had on her mind. And this was a niche topic. This wasn't something that, you know, everybody writes about persuasion or everybody writes about productivity. Like this was a very specific project. And Elizabeth Gilbert, from what I remember, believes that there was a point of transfer, perhaps even in that hug. Hey, she said ideas interact with us in strange ways where the idea jumped from her, Elizabeth Gilbert, who is no longer really pursuing or nurturing that idea to a new vessel, someone else who would take that idea all the way to make it a reality. So if you are someone who, again, has had an idea, maybe it's a really patient one. Uh, mine waited several decades. And maybe it's patient to a point, but it, when it notices that you just have no openness to it, or you are so clogged by fear and doubt that the idea loses faith, you'll be able to be its partner in bringing the idea to life. It will move on. So this is my encouragement. If you're in that place, you have this idea, you're wondering if you should go for it or not. This is your sign. Pick up the book, big magic, read it this summer and report back to me. Uh, let me know what you thought. You can tag me on Instagram at Kendra Hall. And of course, tag the author, Elizabeth Gilbert. The fourth and final book that I want to share with you, and I should say, of course, there are many other books that I love and go back to, one that I won't discuss here today, but I think is awesome is the book Super Attractor by Gabrielle Bernstein, another one. It's, it's again, it's out there, but oh, it made so much sense to me and I devoured every word. But the book I want to talk to you about today um, is by Marianne Williamson. Now, this book is 20 years old. Um, and I just read it for the first time at the beginning of 2021. And I have to say, 
it was exactly what I needed, especially coming out of a period with such fear and despair and confusion and everything that came with the pandemic, uh, anger, distrust. Uh, There was so much that we as humankind were dealing with. I really was searching for something that could snap me out of it or get me back to feeling more like myself. The self that knows that good is real and love is real and that all of the rest of it really comes from something else. The book is called A Return to Love. And yes, this is the book where you will find the quote, the famous quote by Marianne Williamson, the one that goes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. If that quote, if you've ever heard that quote and thought, wow, that quote is amazing, then you need to read this book. Now I will say it is out there. Like this is, this is beyond, uh, the secret. This is, this is beyond, um, you know, the, the power of the law of attraction and it is so good. So now you know a little bit more about me just hearing how much I love this book. Um, I would, as I was reading it, I would post pictures of various passages on my Instagram. And I mean, it, it's like almost every time you turn the page, there was a Instagrammable quote. And every time I would post these pictures on Instagram, people would message me, what book is that? I need to read that book. Um, So I will just say to you right now, you need to read this book. There's a lot of talk in here about the ego, about how we bring ourselves down when really what we are meant for is, is this higher good, what what we talk about here at Success on this podcast all the time. And in fact, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I often ask my guests this question, what is your definition of success? And on page 179, she starts the chapter that is all about um, the, the ideas in this book and how they can reflect in our work. So it's also a a business development book in that way. But the chapter starts like this. Success means we go to sleep at night knowing that our talents and abilities were used in a way that served others. I want to stop right there. It's always been really hard for me. And I know it's hard for my guests too. When I ask them this question, what is success to you to put your finger on it? And, and part of that is because we know deep down that success has to do with serving others and and making an impact, but it's really hard to sift through all the different layers that that lay on top of of that. And I think that sentence right there, go to sleep at night knowing that our talents and abilities were used in a way that served others, just so perfectly sums sums it up in a way that so often we can't articulate. The passage goes on to say, 
We're compensated by grateful looks in people's eyes. Whatever material abundance supports us in performing joyfully and at high energy. There she's talking about actually making money, which, which I appreciate as well. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's good to remove money from the conversation of success, but the way that she explains it, it makes it feel so much more congruent instead of money being the enemy, money actually being a beautiful reflection of of your contribution into the world. And the sentence goes on, and the magnificent feeling that we did our bit today to save the world. And, you know, we, we, I think so many of us, it's easy to, I mean, we can look at people and see that they really are saving the world. Like there are people saving the world in big and obvious ways. But I also believe that if each of us are doing what we feel called to do, no matter what that is, we are saving the world. It can be from the, the, from a position that people, the, the, you know, our egos would tell us is, is minuscule, but in reality, it, it makes such a difference. I mean, I think about, um, I had a friend who was a, a hair stylist, a colorist, and we were, we were talking about these things and, and having your impact. And she said something along the lines of like, wow, I just do hair. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm a different person after I walk out of this place, after sitting in your chair. I feel beautiful and confident. And when I look at myself in the mirror, I I am love it. I'm filled with excitement. And and for her giving that gift to me, then I carry that gift forward in, in everything. I do. Right. So, I mean, you hear the old cliche, there are no small parts, just short actors. And I think that this, um, this book so obviously communicates that a few other passages that I absolutely love. And I think we need now more than ever. This book was written, you can tell, uh, back during the AIDS epidemic, uh, because she references it many times throughout. It's definitely top of mind. And it reminded me that we could basically like find and replace uh, every single one of those references with the pandemic that that we've been experiencing, which again, makes this book so very timely. Uh, one of the passages on page 275, she says, there is no light more bright than the light that shines within us. And whether or not we see that light is irrelevant. If you've ever needed the reminder that greatness is within you, let me say it right here. It is. And also, I think we could all use the reminder from time to time or on a regular basis. But if you really need a big reminder, this is the book to read. And later on that page, it says we are happy to the extent that we choose to notice and to create the reasons for happiness. And again, I think after everything we've been through the 
choice of happiness is such an important one to remember is really in our hands. So this book, I cannot recommend it more highly. Uh, again, it might not be for everyone. So, so let me know what you think of it if you happen to pick that book up. Now, there is one last book I told you I was going to tell you about four of them, but I decided just as I was sitting here that maybe there is one more book I should share with you. And I can't say it's my the, my favorite book that I've read because honestly, I haven't fully read it all the way, but I did write it. I am so thrilled to announce that my newest book is now available for pre-order. The book is called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out. And what made me think of it was actually reading that sentence from the book Return to Love and the choice to be happy. What this new book that I wrote, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, is all about is the stories we tell ourselves that all day, every day, we have stories about ourselves, about our lives that play on repeat in our minds and they happen automatically, subconsciously. They're completely invisible to us and unfortunately, they are often not great stories. There are stories of times we've failed or insults we received or times where we... (sighs) Things didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. And our inside mind, our inner storyteller takes those stories and uses them against us. Anytime it senses that we're looking to jump into something new or go out on a limb and and it feels, her ego feels as if it's at, it's being threatened. It's at risk. Our, Our caveman brain doesn't want us to eat the poisonous berry. And so it replays these stories and keeps us playing safe. And really what this book teaches is a method for first recognizing that those stories are there and you'll be shocked at the stories you find, how back, how far back you can remember and, and how small the stories are that are dictating the choices you make and that lead towards the success that you do or do not find, but how to identify those stories and ultimately how to choose better ones. Because the truth is, we have all accomplished amazing things, big, small, those stories, the good ones exist within each of us as well. But just like happiness, those stories are a choice. We have to intentionally choose to put those stories on replay instead of the ones that hold us back. And based on the sample research that I did for this book, doing so, choosing better stories can have an enormous impact on our lives. Switching our default from a fear of failure to a hope for success. Just changing the stories we tell ourselves can make us feel less afraid and more satisfied with the life 
that we have and more confident in the future that is ahead of us. Now, I mentioned the book is only now available for pre-order. It doesn't release until January 2022. What a perfect time, though, to have a book come out. 2022, new year, I think we'll be ready for it. However, you can pre-order it now. And if you do, I have some special immediate bonuses and then many more bonuses will be released in the weeks and months to come. But the first two bonuses you are going to get right away is a a personalized thank you video from me. I am going to record it on my phone and I'm going to email it to you to say thank you for the pre-order because it does mean so much to the success of any book. If you ever hear an author encouraging you to pre-order go for it and, you know, algorithms and there's all sorts of stuff that happens in the background. But the second bonus you're going to get is I am going to sign um, an autograph for you with your name, with my name, with a nice little note, and I'm going to mail it to you. It's a sticker so that when your copy arrives in January, you'll be one of the first ones to get a copy because you will have ordered it in advance. You can stick that sticker in there and you will have an autographed copy. Now to get these bonuses, you have to visit the website, choosyourstorychangeyourlife.com. Pre-order the book, follow the instructions. You'll enter in your address and upload the pre-order, you know, your receipt or whatever, and I'll get those bonuses to you right away. I hope that you have reserved some time this summer and really into the fall and into next year to spend some time reading. I know that I am a better person when I am constantly reading and engaging in personal growth material. It helps create new thoughts and new perspectives and insights on who I am and how I can best serve my community. So here are four great books for you to start one in a fifth book that, you know, can get you started when the new new year rolls around. I hope you join me back here next week. I have a very special guest that you're really going to enjoy. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating, leave us a comment and screenshot it. Tag me at Kendra Hall, tag at Success Magazine so we can know that you're listening. Until next time, I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. This has been Success Stories with Kendra Hall. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop us a review and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.